I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My 7 Wonders. In ancient times, the most impressive monuments, great pyramids and superstructures were lauded, listed and visited as wonders of the world. And like days of the week, deadly sins and Snow White's dwarves, there were always seven of them. Later lists of magnificent sevens have included more recent man-made structures such as Machu Picchu and the Taj Mahal, engineering wonders or awe-inspiring phenomena of the natural world such as the Grand Canyon or the Great Barrier Reef. But what are the seven wonders you would put on your personal list? That's the question I ask my guests in this podcast. And the guest I'm asking today is the comedian and actor Jack Carroll, who I think by some way is the youngest guest to have joined me on this podcast. Jack was born in 1998 and he shot to fame when he appeared on Britain's Got Talent as a very confident 14-year-old, making fun of Simon Cowell and the other judges and light of his own position performing stand-up comedy sitting in his wheelchair. Jack made it all the way to the final, being pipped for first place by a Hungarian shadow puppet group. So we don't expect anything to do with Hungary or puppetry to feature on his list of wonders today. In addition to BGT, Jack has acted in a variety of TV programmes and appeared on Live at the Apollo, Sunday Night at London, Palladium and elsewhere. So uh, I should first start by asking you, Jack, how did you, how did you get into comedy so early in life to the extent you could go on to a national competition? Well, it's a, it's an interesting kind of uh, origin story, really. I suppose. Um, well, it is it is to me anyway. The, the listeners mm. may disagree, um, but I um, I first performed stand up comedy at my uh, at my mum and dad's silver wedding anniversary party, and um, they my my de- I, I kind of badgered them for weeks uh, to let me get up and do a few jokes that I'd written, and. Um, mm. Uh, you know, it's kind of you, you can't rely on a on an eleven year old um, to to be any good. Uh, so I think they were a little bit hesitant. And my dad had um, a kind of he'd done this big uh, speech about how wonderful uh, the the marriage had been and 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 all this. And um, I got up and followed that by saying uh, that was a load of rubbish. They're actually going through divorce proceedings at the moment, and uh, and luckily people laughed, and some of the family still talk to us. So <laughs> yeah, but it's a big it's a big step from it's a big step from appearing in front of friends and family, uh, with yes. a, presumably a friendly audience, to yes. being on television and doing it in front of millions. Yes, I um so, so that that video uh got uploaded to to youtube and um the the kind of uh right people saw that and then uh and then yeah from from there on um uh i, I did uh I won a pride of britain award and then the britain's got time people saw me on that and said would you come and audition for the show and um and i uh I kind of think that's that that's the good thing about doing it at the age that I did though uh, because you kind of mm. I think less aware of the variables and the things that could possibly go wrong performing in front of in front of a TV audience and and that kind of thing so um it's good it's good that I started when I did in a way well yeah football commentators sometimes say of a young player not quite as young as that but you know, as a seventeen-year-old or eighteen-year-old, oh, they play without fear. But I, I'm sure that there are there are fears and worries that a young person has. There may be different ones from an older person, but they're they're still there. You, but you you evidently don't suffer from nerves in uh, talking or uh, trying to make people laugh. No, I don't. I don't think so. And I think that um, or, or that that comes through repetition because if I've had a couple of um, if I've had a month off of doing it or whatever, you kind of you back at square yeah. one. Um, yeah. But I think um, that 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 reinforcement that you get through repetition is um, is really helpful in that regard. 
No, I, I mentioned you're in a, a wheelchair because it's it's cerebral palsy that you have. So is that a, a that, that's from birth? Indeed, it is. Yes, from from birth. Uh, yeah, I uh, I was born uh, premature, so the the kind of oxygen um, to my brain uh, kind of meant that that um, uh, and and I kind of had a, a bit of a bleed on the brain as well. So that that meant that I was getting uh, dodgy signals from my brain to my legs. So it kind of uh, made balance and things a little bit a little bit tricky. But yes, I, I, uh, I, I've kind of uh, been, yeah, I've, I've had it since birth. So I mean, at any rate, I mean, it's a small advantage, but I suppose on something like Britain's Got Talent, it made you um, stand out from the crowd, you know. In terms of <laughs> stand out, performing. Pun, pun intended, there or not? I, yeah, I was. I didn't want to apologise in advance. Just let it <laughs> stand up comedy, standing out the crowd, but you weren't able to stand up. You had to sit in, yeah. a, in, a, in a chair. No, I think it does make it does make comedy. I, 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 people don't really like hearing it, but I think it does make. Doing uh, doing comedy slightly easier because at least you've got something to talk about. Um, you know, if I if I yes. if ever I'm having a, a slow day of, of kind of coming up with ideas, I know again uh, uh, pun slightly intended. I know I've got the, the cerebral palsy to fall back on if if things are, <laughs> if things are working slowly. I know I can always talk yes. about about disability. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, from that from that perspective, I'm kind of. Um, a, w- a way in it, it it has been it has been helpful. I've got I've got to say that. I mean, it's not the most fashionable yeah. uh, statement, but but it, it has been very helpful to my to my career. So well, I, I wouldn't necessarily put it that way, but it, but all in the in the modern way of uh, stand up comedy, everybody eventually talks about their family background or the the race they come from, maybe sex, maybe gender, mm. maybe and whatever mm. else that is relevant to them becomes uh, mm. usually the focus of at least some of their comedy. Well, let's let's get on with the uh, the wonders that you have selected. You've come up with uh, seven of them. So the first one is Ellen Road. So explain yes. why that is a wonder to you. Yeah, so I'm a big uh, Leeds United fan. Leeds United play their home games at Ellen Road, uh, and the reason the reason why I put the stadium in rather than the football team is because I, I think that um, kind of as good as watching it on uh, on television is, I, I don't think anything can replace the uh, the the immediacy and the atmosphere that you get from going to watch a game live. And I think that a lot of um, you know, I've had a lot of happy memories in that place, and I think yes. that, that that's why, uh, for for me, for my own kind of personal world, that is a, that is a wonder of the world for me. Well, I, I don't want to be controversial from the beginning, but you must have had some unhappy memories as well. Uh, yeah, the last one. <laughs> yeah, two or three years at Leeds have been a, something of a revival, but uh, uh, yes. there's been some bleak years uh, corresponding to your your lifetime. I have a longer memories of Leeds going back. Yeah, long long way. Uh, mm. I, I, I noticed the stadium has got stands named after Norman Hunter, a no mm. no n- uncompromising uh, defender. Don Revy, an uncompromising manager. Jack Johnson, yeah. Bremner. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a yes. T- I have. It's a tough tough club. Uh, most of the yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I met I met Norman Hunter a few times, and I uh, I didn't I didn't need a wheelchair until he tried to tackle me. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I told him that joke, and he, he did laugh. Luckily, so. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I you, you say that. I think that is kind of the um, or, or pretty much all my time following Leeds has, has been uh, in the lower divisions. So to see us in the in the Premiership now, it's kind of, it's kind of like that Paradise Syndrome thing. Though now we've got what we wanted. I'm yeah. part of me is kind of harking back to. Milton Keynes on on a rainy Tuesday night, really, because I think like that's yeah. the that's the stuff I grew up on. Sure, but you've got a little way to go to get back to where Leeds was uh, once upon a time. Mm. To be, let's say, you'd be have to now be challenging for the Premier League, which is uh, pretty hard, and then Europe as well, which. Leeds was at that level before they went into a huge decline. I'm sorry to to um, yeah. uh, damage your chips. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this early on. Sorry, I'm a bit bitter because I'm much older than you. And my first memory of Leeds really is uh, Leeds beating Arsenal, who I support, in the League mm. Cup final in uh, 1968. A horrible game. 
uh, not just the result, yes. and it was uh, ho- played horribly and won horribly by by Leeds. <laughs> You've had better moments, and I've had better moments since then. Yes, yeah, you'll know this from moving from one stadium to the next. Like the the, it's hard to recreate that atmosphere. I think, uh, but uh, there's yeah. no plan to move from Elland Road, is there? It's uh, uh, is it's still performing well enough to. Uh, to carry on at the Premier League level, just about, and we we had it we had it blessed by a priest um, a few years ago to try and ward off any right. uh, bad luck. So hopefully yeah. that's why uh, that that might be why we're in the Premiership now. Yes, well that sounds like cheating to me, getting uh, getting God on your side. But I think <laughs> players do that quite often, don't they? They they cross themselves, yeah. or they look to the heavens, or they uh, bow down to Mecca, whichever is their. Uh, Preference, yeah. but uh, surely, yeah. surely God has to be a neutral sort of VAR observer of the game rather than <laughs> one or one I think I think that's yeah. It, dep- it depends if he's got a bet on that week. I suppose. I don't. I don't think God needs to have a bet on. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he, he, yeah, he's omnipotent, <laughs> all seeing, all knowing. He, he he can win in any in any uh, race. So your next wonder you have is The Sopranos, which I suppose you mean by that, I don't have any further, is the television series yes. hailed by some people as the best TV programme of all time. But it but it came and went before your time, did it? Not? It did indeed, yes. Well, I, I was I was alive uh, during it, but certainly not old enough yeah. to, uh, to watch it. Um, and yeah, I, I picked The Sopranos because I think like... Um, I've rewatched it around uh, around about four times now, I think, and um, I, I pick up new all the way through. Yeah, and I, and I pick up. I try, yeah. try to do it once a year, and I pick up kind of uh, new uh, kind of layers of meaning and, and things like that every single time. And I, I don't think there's there there are a lot of things, especially on television, with that kind of. Um, uh, value uh, that, that, that you can kind of squeeze out of it over and over again. Um, it was one of the early ones which we now talk of as like a box set that mm. people, I mean, now you don't have to get the box, but uh, that people do watch these series either all in a go and a binge watch when it first comes out or as you've done, going back to it later. So so The Wire, The Sopranos, all those, those kind of big programmes, 24. Yeah. Um, this is probably a, a different way of watching television programmes that's come along in the last few years. So it is possible for somebody of your age to be a fan. Yes. As you might have, a previous generation might have been a fan of a, an old film. Yeah, and I think that is that is the thing that, that um, it, it still holds up. I think a couple of those things are kind of, you can tell they're of the time. Um, but I think the, the thing with The Sopranos mm. is if you kind of take the glitzy uh, mafia element out of it, that the, the human drama of it, and the kind you can read it at a lot of different levels. I think is the is the thing I enjoy about mm. it. That you can you, the, there's there's a lot there depending on what level you want to to pitch it at as a viewer. Um, that there's kind of that and that and that's what makes it so rewarding. I think that it's kind of a little bit about everything. Well, but it is about uh, gangsters and the mafia, mm. and it's it's not alone in in that regard. They mm. it seems endlessly. Uh, interesting, whether it's films, Godfather, Goodfellas, oh, well, there's dozens of them. You know, the Traitor, the Irishman. Mm. All, all we uh, American filmmakers and television makers, and by extension, the rest of the world seems endlessly fascinated with these ghastly people mm. and their loyalty to family, but commitment to mayhem <laughs> and murder and theft. Well, yeah, is that is that what attracts you to this program as well? Are you a secret gangster underneath it all? I mean, um, I, I kind of uh, an idealized version without the murder would be would be what I'd be striving for. I suppose it's that kind. Of, it's that uh, quintessential American story of of the American dream, isn't it? It's like someone trying to mm. come over and make something of themselves. And I think that 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 is a and then ultimately uh, failing. I think is is. Like you say, that 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 repeats and repeats. 
So I mentioned you're obviously a comedian, but also an actor. So mm. um, would you, are there parts or, or dramas that you would like to be in as mm. a, some sort of gangster or, I don't know, investigator, victim, uh, you know, <laughs> something you'd like to be in, a, 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 maybe initially a British kind of one? Or I, I, think, I think I'd probably be a more plausible victim. Than uh, than anything else. <laughs> no, I was just imagining you as some sort of evil mastermind. Maybe a bit too young for that yet, but you could be stroking a cat <laughs> and plotting the downfall of <laughs> some enemy. Or yeah, other. I mean, I mean, I do that in my daily life, so it wouldn't be much of a stretch to do that on, on screen. Um, <laughs> I uh, I was just going to say, for the benefit of the listener, I am growing a little moustache at the moment, so uh, I, I am yes. slightly. Slightly resembling Fredo Corleone in uh, in The Godfather, so yeah. so who knows? Well, it could be. I I recently interviewed Stephen Van Zandt, who's uh, uh, Steve Van Zandt, who's as uh, a guitarist. Mm. Um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, but but he got a part in in The Sopranos. So mm. yeah, just by giving out an award at a, at a Hall of Fame, the Rock Hall yeah. of Fame, he just happened to do that rather well. And he got a part in The Sopranos as a result of that. So anything could happen in, in your case as well, yeah. Indeed. And, um, you know, if uh, if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are, are watching, they, 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 they don't come, many don't come as, uh, as rock and roll as me. So, so yeah, that, that, that could be in the future. <laughs> so does that justify everything that you do? Excuse me, let me tell you something. When America opened the floodgates and let all us Italians in, what do you think they were doing it for? Because because they were trying to save us from poverty? No, they did it because they needed us. They needed us to build their cities and dig their subways and to make them richer. The Carnegies and the Rockefellers, they needed worker bees, and there we were. But some of us didn't want to swarm around their hive and lose who we were. We wanted to stay Italian and preserve the things that meant something to us, honor and family and loyalty. And some of us wanted a piece of the action. Okay. All right. So that was your second uh, uh, wonder of the world. And then mm. we go off in a completely different direction, I think. Now, your third wonder is a decent cup of coffee. Mm. Yeah, I am. Uh, that, um, that carries the implication that there are cups of coffee that you've had that are not decent. Uh, is this a quest that you've never got to the end of? You've never got a decent cup of coffee? <laughs> or are there identifiable ones that you can uh, speak well about? No, there there certainly are. There's, there's good coffee and uh, and bad coffee, and I think good coffee, well, decent coffee, as I've as I've written, is um, it's something that that you know fuels me through through the day, and I think it's kind of uh, you know it's a kind of early uh, solace within the day that you can enjoy the um, enjoy the taste, and then there there are other cups of coffee. Uh, that you might get on trains or uh, whatever that tastes like unleaded diesel, mm. so uh, they don't bring bring quite the same level of uh, of enjoyment. <laughs> so, is that, are you a meticulous maker of coffee yourself? Uh, are you somebody who really concentrates? Have you got a I don't know one of those huge machines at home that you yes. grind up your own beans? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I've um, <laughs> I've got a I've got a, a bean to cook. Uh, machine. Uh, I'm ba- I'm basically working on getting uh, a similar infrastructure to Starbucks, but with uh, more taxation involved. Um, and uh, uh, but yeah, I've got a bean to cup machine, so uh, I can try all kind of different uh, varieties of um, of coffee from from around the globe. And um, I think that that's nice uh, because I, I don't know whether my very pale skin gives it away, but I, I don't travel to sunny climates all that much. So experiencing that through the uh, through the coffee and the the kind of different taste you get from different nations and uh, and continents is uh, is is really interesting to me. So you're you're a connoisseur of the coffee bean. You're mm. and and is it the way of making it that's also important? The exact temperature of the water, the uh, the strength, the the additions what is it that i leave that to the uh to the professionals and people less lazy than me i just press a button and the machine does the work for me um but yeah i uh i um i did realize recently that that when i when i tell people i bought a coffee machine they go oh that's fantastic but if i told them Mm. i bought a machine that gives me anxiety and makes me shit myself 
then that would be slightly. <laughs> but that that is essentially what I've yes. done. Um, uh, yes. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I can only say that when I was growing up, the, this, what we called coffee at home was something made out of a powder that came in a great big tin mm. and was mixed up with uh, with hot water and milk, and it didn't really taste like coffee at all. But that's all we knew. And then <laughs> coffee granules came in, and yeah. that was a bit better. And only in later life did I have I you know experienced <laughs> more regularly the joy of proper coffee yeah uh, but i always find the idea of having a cup of coffee is better than the actual coffee itself that after mm. the first smell of it and the sip of it i've, I've had enough but <laughs> i don't want to you know get in the way of your, <laughs> your yeah. Desires. yeah well maybe um maybe you just haven't found the right coffee yet you have to you have to come over for a cup of coffee and we'll uh, i'll take i'll take you through some different varieties well, I will do. I will yeah. do. I, I, do you still live in Yorkshire or Leeds or? I, or I am. Nearby I'm, there? I'm still in Yorkshire. Yes, yeah, still in uh, still in West Yorkshire. Um, so yeah, yeah, if you if you're ever passing through this way, I'll get the uh, I'll get the machine temperature turned right up. <laughs> Well, I look forward to it. I suppose Yorkshire, <laughs> strangely enough, is famous for its tea. Uh, it is. It is. They grow in the in the county. <laughs> I mean, we 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 offer that as well uh, as well at the cafe that I've now started uh, in my kitchen. Well, tea is another thing. It's quite hard to get right for for you. You know, for mm. for the person ordering it. I I only mm. really like tea that I make myself because mm. everybody else, certainly on a you're mentioning going on trains and cafes and things they often get it wrong and anywhere mm. abroad it's just hopeless they mm. they uh, seem incapable of the, the thing they bring a tea bag in a saucer with a cup of cooling water next to it and expect you to dunk that into the cup yeah that's going to make a good cup of tea um, yeah anyway I'm, ta- I'm i'm straying off to my taste and into tea mm-hmm. rather than the coffee mm-hmm. so so a decent cup of coffee you have managed to f- you can make it yourself and you have managed to find it s- sometimes yes uh, but, indeed uh, not always, yeah. The golden rules for buying coffee. And the first one, you probably know. Buy fresh. But what does fresh mean? Now, coffee after roasting declines in a pretty steady way over time. It loses its aromatics. They kind of float off into the atmosphere and escape. And you also develop some unpleasant flavours. Things go stale and they begin to oxidise. All right. So that's a decent cup of coffee. Ne- the next thing, your next of your wonders, is comedy writing. Mm. Uh, so... I, I can see why you, why comedy might be in your list of wonders, but yeah. for most people, even even very successful comedians uh, mm. or writers, find the actual process of writing uh, quite hard work. So, is it is it the process of writing that you like, or do you appreciate other people's writing? Yeah. I, I I really I, well, I enjoy the process myself. It's my favourite thing that I do is the actual kind yeah. of writing of the comedies. My, my of all the things that I do, that's my. That's my favourite. And I think it's that kind of, uh, that idea of, of being able to uh, concisely get a point across and also make someone laugh that I find pretty, yeah. when, when when someone does it to me, I find that amazing. And when I'm, you know, the, the, hopefully the few times I've been able to do it to other people, um, that's <laughs> that's equally, equally thrilling for me. Yeah. Well, you, you've done it uh, plenty of occasions, but uh, mm. is it the moment that you're? I don't know how you work. Do you sit at a at a word, pre- you know, a computer terminal and think of a joke and write it down, and you say, "That's perfect. I can see I've I've got that to work." Or is it when you first do it uh, to an mm. audience, and then that confirms that it it, it really does work because it makes other people laugh, not just yourself. Yeah. When is well, the magic moment for you in comedy writing? I mean, unfortunately, me and the audience don't always agree um, on on what's <laughs> funny, um, but but I prefer my opinion to theirs. Um, uh, I, I think it is that moment, uh, whether you're a, a, key, a computer keyboard or, or writing in a notebook, where you go, "I've got a good one there," and that and that's the the yeah. kind of it, it's that it's that um, I suppose uh, excavation that you're doing where you're trying to just. Just what yes. is the thing? What is the thing? And then you stumble upon the um, stumble upon the thing, and I think it's that moment of um, of, of stumbling upon it where that that's the real satisfying. That's the stuff for me. Mm-hmm. In in the main, how do you do it when you're doing uh, you know comedy writing? Are you mm-hmm. see, 
doing it so oh i've got something to do at a performance on television or or, or my mm. an event for my parents i've i've mm. got to write something five minutes for that ten minutes for that mm. or are you just constantly adding to the pot of jokes that you've thought of from which you'll draw for on any particular occasion i think with um with stand-up it comes in bursts and i'll be really productive for a couple of weeks and then there'll be there'll be a kind of dry period for uh, a while after and then I'll and then I'll pick it back up again but I mm. think it's important to keep those um to keep to keep things oiled and and try and uh, I try and mm. keep my hand in as much as as much as I can and w- and do you or would you ever write for other people or or other things either for another comedian or let's say a sitcom or a film or a, or a, or a movie write a, a substantial novel I don't know any any form of Comedy. Yeah, since you've got comedy writing there, that, that you might want to expand yeah, the writing so, so, side of it. So I um I wrote a sitcom over the well co-wrote a sitcom over the lockdown, which hopefully um we're filming um in the in the summer. So that that's very exciting. Um, and then oh, yeah, can all, you tell me what? Can you tell me what it's called, or is that uh, you know, yeah, it's to reveal too much? Well. It is. I think it is. Um, it, it's probably dangerous to reveal, but you know, it, it kind of, uh, we're on the correct platform for that. Uh, they can, uh, yeah. yeah they, if this gets picked up, then, uh, then you know, then we've 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 made an exclusive, then, haven't we? Um, it's called uh, Mobility. Um, so so that will be hopefully um, out sometime in in the next little while. Um, but yeah, I. Um, are you going to be in it? Or are you going to be in it, or are you writing it for other people to perform? No, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be in it as well. Um, so that that will right. be that'll be good. Um, I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't let other people have that. Um, uh, <laughs> quite quite uh, right. Yeah, I. Uh, but yeah, no, I, lo- I love all all kinds. Of, that's what, again why I put comedy writing down. Like I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm really into. Uh, into it in all its forms so uh yeah hopefully that's certainly something that i'd like to carry on with and you mentioned you've written it with somebody else that's a slightly mm. different process if there's two of you writing it rather than sitting with a notebook or jotting something down a notebook do you find that process helpful or creative or um you know traumatizing to have to convince somebody else that something's funny even before you get it to an audience I think coming from a stand-up background, like that's a real luxury. Um, being able to being able to collaborate, I really enjoy that spirit of collaboration. And I think most of the time, uh, things you do with other people are, are better than the sum of its its parts, really. Mm. And uh, I think uh, stand-up comedies can be can be very lonely in that you just it's just you and you're your only bellwether. Um, pretty much yeah. uh, until you until you give it to an audience to shoot down. So yeah, I uh, I really have yeah. enjoyed working with working with other people. Well, uh, David Badil, who's done this podcast with me, he one of his wonders. Uh, well, mm. I'm just getting the exact wording right. The sound of a big laugh in response to a new bit of material. <laughs> so that's, that's him doing stand up, which he does. So is that it's that the moment that he goes for, which is. Or he went for because uh, he knows at that point he's now got something he can do again or incorporate into his performing later. So yes, uh, that's why I was asking whether it's the the creative moment or because sometimes with, as I don't know, I'm telling you this, you know this, you 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 come up with something spontaneously as you as you do something you don't know. Oh, mm. it gets a laugh, and there's you might have an extra thought. Oh, and I can do that again if I can just remember it for next yeah. time. Yeah, um, and and they they're always real gifts when they come along I think um, yeah but that, that's great yeah. that's great that's really good yeah so I should ask you just in case you don't have to tell me any of this if you don't want to mm. uh, so you've 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 got mobility uh, who, who do you know who's going to be broadcasting it or do, I, th- it I think I on... think all being well um that that will be on the BBC iPlayer so um okay. yeah all, right. all being well anyway so comedy yeah. writing uh, this has clearly been part of your life uh, for, for 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 ages so if you started mm. doing i mean you even said when you spoke at your your parents silver wedding celebration mm. you you didn't say i made a speech you said i did some stand up comedy mm. i did comedy at mm. uh, there so so was it 
What had inspired you to doing that? Is it just the way you are, naturally funny, or have you always watched or listened to other comedy, followed it in other? Forms? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I've been, I've been a huge comedy fan right from being very young, and also you know, I've uh, been, my, my family, uh, uh, through family, I was always surrounded by uh, very funny people who, who knew knew how to make each other laugh. So that was. Um, great and then uh we'll come on to it a bit later on but i had um i'd surgery on my spine when i was six years old so i was laid up in the hospital for um a good few weeks and all, all i did uh through them was was watch comedy dvds so um in terms of uh yeah in terms of getting an interest uh uh i'd always been kind of interested in writing and stories and and mm uh you know that side of things at school so um they they kind of um they kind of coalesced and um and and yeah i thought that that that's that's really interesting to me i probably shouldn't have been getting the jokes i was getting at six and seven years old but somehow i uh i managed it you you knew from the rhythm they must be funny or you're getting yes you're getting the innuendo yes yeah All right. indeed well, well, yeah since, since you've mentioned it why don't we go on to uh, another of your wonders then uh, mm. which um it's it you've you've put it down a selective dorsal rhizotomy if i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly yes um so what so so this this is the operation you're talking about yeah um yeah so they um they so it was a six-hour operation uh, that I had where they took my um, spine out and kind of cut the nerves away that were sending uh, signals to my to my feet that were that were uh, kind of to do with the um, cerebral palsy and that, that and that's the uh, I don't know if you can tell but that's the non-medical explanation. Uh, I, I'm not I'm yes. not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you are the patient, and you were, did you say you had this at six years old? Mm, yeah. So how much did you understand when 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 the, when your parents or the doctors or whoever said, "Well, you've got there's this big operation for you to mm. have, and this will help with the way you operate with your feet and your legs mm. and so forth." Were you able to understand what was going on, or was this just this is just what life is like? Because that's all you knew that there were going to be things like this. Was it was it a shock to the system? I suppose I'm asking. E even the news that you're going to have a big operation. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I suppose it is just that thing of you. You get on with it at that age, don't you? Because you don't know. You don't know anything different. So I, I did just. Um, I did just get on with it. Although uh, that's not to say. Uh, I, I hand, some of it I handled with the maturity of a six-year-old because apparently when I came round, um, dosed up with morphine and um, and anaesthetic, I uh, I demanded to see the head surgeon. So I, I think the quote my my mum told me at the time the quote was so I could use his head as a basketball. Um, so so yeah, I I was I was furious yeah. that it'd been been done to me but but yeah i uh <laughs> yeah i was uh certainly a funny little kid yeah well you, you sound as though you were but this is mm. this, this is quite a thing to go through but did it have mm. an immediate effect did, did they say oh well, the operation's a, a, a big success or did you mm. have to spend months in recovery before you could even make an, ass an assessment of what it had done yeah so there was a few a few uh, like about a month i would say a month six weeks in in recovery if i if i remember correctly and then um and then it was the because I, I couldn't walk unaided before this operation so that's what the kind of uh ideal outcome was that i'd be able to to yeah. walk unaided and um and so from then on i can i had to train up uh that the the sensory kind of uh thing of, of of getting my balance and all, all that kind of thing so that that was that was the next job then and um unfortunately um it it, it did work and uh and that, and that that's a great wonder for me is that i i couldn't walk and because of yeah. the, the kind of wonder of, of the surgery I, i'm now able to yeah. 
So, you, well, it obviously sounds like a, a great wonder, but having uh, come through that period when he wanted to use the surgeon's head as a as a basketball in mm. response to what he was putting you through, mm. have you been able yeah. to reassess that? And uh, uh, evidently you have, but uh, were you able to talk to him uh, yourself uh, in later mm. years and say, well, uh, thank you very much. And what an extraordinary thing to, to do, uh, to, to do an operation like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I was probably being a bit hasty. Uh, given given how it has actually turned out, um, no, I I I I haven't had any um, any contact with the um, the surgeon uh, kind of for for a long time now. But I would I would love to uh, to to kind mm. of reach out and um, and uh, and have a chat. I think that that's something that um, that yeah, I should I should get on with. So thank you for the uh, the reminder. <laughs> Well, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he or her uh, might have, he or she may have um, seen you on the television uh, being a, yeah. a, a success and a, and a wow in Britain's Got Talent and elsewhere. And there might be some quiet satisfaction that, uh, ah, well, perhaps without uh, my, me and my team's skill, uh, this wouldn't have been possible. I may not be able to write jokes as a surgeon, but I can yeah. I can get a comedian going. So uh, either, they might uh, be very... Please. Either that or he said uh, that kid threatened to cut my head off when he was six years old. I don't want to see him again. That could be the other the other outcome. He was probably voting probably voting for the Hungarian <laughs> shadow puppets as a yeah. result. That's what, yeah, that's what yeah. cost you the success. <laughs> that that was the deciding vote. What a, that, yeah, that would yeah. that would be like a real a real Shakespearean ending to the whole thing. That yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, so uh, now another of your wonders... Again, it's a it's, well. This isn't one that sort of leaps out. It's an obvious one for you to choose at all. Mm. Uh, the interviews of Leonard Cohen. Yes. So why let why why Leonard Cohen and why why his interviews rather than his songs, his performances, his poetry, his other bits of writing? As somebody who interviews people a lot, I'm pleased to see that interviews in this case outrank all the other achievements. But uh, what is it about Leonard Cohen and what is it about his interviews? So I, I, obviously a big fan of, of Leonard Cohen's songs and poetry and all, all that kind of thing. But I think um, that, that's one of the great things about YouTube is that there is a huge archive of like long form interviews of um, mm. of, you, you, of your favourite cultural figures available at the, the touch of a button. And um, it, I, I remember um, I went to see Will Self uh, the other year and he said something interesting about YouTube. He was like, we're, he said, we're, we're kind of closer to the 60s than people in the 60s were, if you want to be, because you can you can analyse it um, frame by frame on, on YouTube. Right. And I think, um, for the so I've watched quite a, a good few um, of Lennon Cohen's long-form interviews and it's kind of, um, it, it really kind of uh, charming, wise old man figure that I think uh, with with some kind of 
uh, real nuggets of, of wisdom in there and, and a good few laughs and, and that's that's what I've enjoyed about them. Yes. But it, you're, you're right, there's a strange phenomenon this is because it, it's not just interviews but certainly interviews done 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago were mm. largely ephemeral. They were there mm. for, for that programme, for that moment mm. and nobody watched them repeatedly. Same with, you know, mm. you know children's cartoon shows and, mm. and films and everything that people didn't have an opportunity to, to watch and re-watch. But as, as you're... Uh, you're saying that you know Will Self was saying that this is um, uh, th- this is now something that has it's got a different status in the world, different category. Yeah, so people can use them to to study endlessly. Yes, yes, um, and yeah. I think that that is one of the uh, yeah that that that's why I put it down because I think that, that kind of yeah. Obviously, Leonard Cohen, there are more interviews than, say, you know, Bob Dylan doesn't do very many interviews. So mm. you'd only have about one or two that you could study with. Leonard Cohen was happier, happier to chat about things in general and his, his work as well. So is that what makes his interviews more interesting than some others? Yeah, I think it is that thing of the, the, there's a lot of them out there as well. So you build up a little bit more, well, as much as you can from um yeah. From a, a five-minute interview, uh, you build up a little bit more of a picture of the artist, and he he does. I think that's an interesting point. Like to use uh, Bob Dylan as a as a contemporary, I think Leonard Cohen does seem a little bit more generous with his opinions and his kind of let, letting you into letting you into his yeah. his, his whole thing than uh, than maybe than maybe a Bob Dylan does who, who's quite guarded and quite. I, I watched the. Um, Scorsese uh, rolling from the Netflix documentary about Bob Dylan. Yeah. And it, it kind of struck me that the difference between him and Leonard Cohen is that Leonard Cohen seems a lot more kind of centred in the world than Bob Dylan, who seems a little bit more, I don't know, like haunted by the visions or something like there's something that you can't quite get across. Whereas yes. I think uh, Leonard Co- one of the great things is that he's concise and he delivers things with humour, but the, there's also like... Um, a good amount of weight behind behind what he says as well. Yes, perhaps he's not as, uh, and I don't mean this as a criticism at all, but he, no, he certainly initially wasn't anything like as confident in his own ability as a as a singer and a songwriter. Mm. He had to be almost forced into doing mm. it. I think Judy Collins almost made him start performing, yeah. uh, and he didn't even want to do it. So yeah, uh, whereas Bob Dylan, uh, you know, from had early success and uh, and was early capable of writing lots and lots of songs with mm. mysterious meanings to them that he thought, thought mm. it better to keep to himself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah. <laughs> but I suppose I, I asked you about the Sopranos as well. This, these are things from not the ancient past, but they are a, a decade, decade or two ago that you're mm. interested in. Is that is that a, a function of your character? Do you think there are aspects of life? You're, you're not just somebody living in the, the latest trend. You're, you're able to... Pick up and look at things from, you know, let's say before you were born or around about the time you were born. Yeah, I think probably because I'm uh, I'm basically an old man at heart. I would imagine, um, uh, but no, I think uh, yeah, there, there's something. Um, there's so, there, I don't know why that is, but there's something. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of my my interests are like that. That's not to say that that all of them are obviously, but I think. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a. I don't, I don't know why that is, and and maybe uh, there's a there's a listener out there with the the correct qualifications to be able to psychoanalyze that, but uh, but I'm I'm not going to do well, it. Well, this is our main function here to to make a podcast, send it out, and hope that somebody will give you some advice. But uh, there's nothing to be nothing worried about. It, there's, there's a sort of uh, frantic thing to try and keep up with what's going on sometimes. And, uh, yeah, that means you miss out. You know, if you're interested in reading novels, for example, you can read mm. this this year's novel or you can read Charles Dickens. The, the, nobody thinks it's odd if you're a fan of uh, Dickens or Hardy or Tolstoy or something. That's... And I think that's probably like, a, that's a stamp of quality, right? The, the fact that it's lasted mm. for a long time is, yeah. is, is, a, is a mark of quality. Well, I don't know. You're, um, you may seem so to yourself, but you must admit that for other people looking at you, Leonard Cohen, the poet, the novelist, the man who lives in a White House on the island of Hydra, um, scion of a Jewish family from Montreal, pop singer and, and writer of pop songs. All these things, um, they may certainly add up to Leonard Cohen, but they do look rather complex at first. 
Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, um, the borders have, have, have faded between a lot of uh, endeavors, and uh, people are no longer, I think, capable of those kind of uh, poses, like the poet, you know, on the mountain with the cape, and, uh, or the singer, you know, um, sort of uh, catering to the masses. All those kinds of expression, I think, are completely meaningless. They don't mean anything to me. It's a, just a matter of what your hand falls on. And uh, if you can make what your hand falls on sing, then you can just do it. I mean, if someone offered me a building to design now, uh, I'd, I'd take it up. If someone offered me a, a small country to govern, I'd, uh, I'd take it. You know, anything, anything going, I'd like to try. So we're now on to your seventh and last wonder. Uh, Jack, what is that? It is the concept of flow states. Right. So this is uh, this is would I would I call this being in the zone? Is is that the sort of thing that we're talking about, or is it Indeed. more complicated than that? Yeah. No. That 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 at a basic level, that that is the um, the kind of point to it. So I, I read a book over the first lockdown called Flow by a psychologist called uh, I'm going to hopefully I don't butcher the pronunciation too much uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi um, and it's all about it's called flow and it's all about this concept of flow states um, which mm. uh, which I really kind of responded to and the more I look at things I enjoy in my life the more I see that they they follow this kind of uh, pattern and this and have this kind of flow architecture uh, to them yeah so so just let, let me try and get my head around this as well I th- mm. I've, I've tried to, to to understand this in the past but uh, it sounds like you're you're on top mm. of it so it's um is it a combination of being able to concentrate on things to find a, a sweet spot for what you're doing it could be could be what a sportsman does. It could be what a writer does. It could be yeah. what anybody does, where they get into a special state of mind mm. where everything clicks together. Or, I mean, yeah. I'm probably oversimplifying it, but is is that what we're talking about? That is it, and I, I think it's the um, the way he describes it is like the uh, the conference between um, enjoyment and meaning, um, where it's and and you. You can't, you forget about all your problems, but you emerge out of the state with a reinforced sense of of self, and it, it's that. So it's yes. that kind of thing of um, you're so involved in doing something that you forget about your own stuff, uh, yeah. but also it reinforces and and improves your um, your experience. So can you get into that? Do you feel you're in that state when you're on stage performing or on television performing? Come to that that when when it, you the show's going well, the first joke's gone well, and you go into a, a flow state. It, would would mm. that apply there, would you say? I think um, when it's going when it's going really well, you do, but there's also times um, kind of on the negative side of that where uh, I'll be doing a routine and obviously I've done the routine so much that I'll be thinking about what I'm going to have for my dinner when I get, when I get home. So I'm saying the words, but I don't have yes. much connect. Yeah. So 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 there there is that, and I think um, the uh, the performance aspect of things it's harder to get into that state because obviously you've got you've got a lot more to manage, and it's a little bit more difficult to be unself conscious about that. Right. But as we were talking earlier about the, um, the the comedy writing side of things, I think that that that's a lot easier because you. Um, that there, there's less um, urgency to manage there. You don't have to, you, don't, you, you know, you can, you can kind of, re- the the environment is a little bit more relaxing, and uh, and, and I think mm. that helps get into get into uh, the flow of state. Now, for me, I understand what you say there, uh, but uh, for me, I would say it's can be harder to get into a flow state when you're writing because mm. there's plenty of distractions that might be around it could be somebody you know whistling for their dog outside yeah maybe, oh i'll have a cup of coffee yeah and maybe oh this isn't due in from the <laughs> whereas being in a position uh you know but i've had it in two ways in my life one is just performing in any sort of way or concentrating in a studio mm. that or when I used to be, I used to be a barrister. So in court, you're you're just concentrating on the case. You don't think about mm. all your other problems. And I can think in both of those performing kind of uh, uh, situations, I, 
I can just I just noticed coming out of it when mm. the court case the court day is over or the studio is finished or I've come off stage. Yes. Oh, I've been in a flow state, I think, or something yes. like it. But now yes. I'm not because I'm now thinking, oh, I didn't cancel my dental appointment. Yes. Or the car's got a flat tire when I drove here. All those extra problems you just put out of your mind. So, But I don't know if I'm getting grasping this this idea at all. No, no, I'd agree with that. That sounds like a flow state. Uh, from, from what I've read, that sounds like a flow state to me. And um, yeah, I mean, mm. would you say that's, that, that in... In your experience, that is that is like peak experience that you enjoyed that that so much. Yes, I would I would say so, and I can I suppose there have been moments, uh, limited moments in my case, where I've got into a flow state when I'm writing something. But that's mm. generally uh, there's an urgency to it, and I rule out everything. And if it goes well, I could say maybe that was a flow state. But mm. it sounds like you're a bit better at that. That you you can settle down and say, right, I'm going to, I've got a couple of ideas and then I'm going to develop those and go on to something else. And a few hours later, you've, you've written a whole new comedy routine or something. Maybe I'm just lazier. I mean, I find it, I find it easy to relax maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. a good, so it's a combination of, of, of enjoyment and relaxation. And, and meaning. meaning yeah. Yeah. And, and meaning as well. Well, look, um, Jack, yeah. this has been a fascinating uh, journey through uh, aspects of your life, anyway, through these seven wonders. And uh, it's been a joy to talk to you. Um, the I have to, um, you having shared your seven wonders, I have to choose the wonder of wonders from your list of seven. The one which struck me as mm. particularly wonderful, as you've described it in this podcast. Tempted though I am uh, to put in Elland Road, home of the mighty Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be, um, and I'm interested in flow states and uh, comedy writing, obviously. But I think uh, I think I have to uh, make uh, the wonder of wonder from this podcast selective dorsal rhizotomy uh, because it's um, it's such a startling operation to have to go through, uh, thankfully successfully, and mm. uh, and a little bit of a tip the hat to the poor old surgeon who got uh, a hard time from six year old self. Um, but it's it is it is clearly a wonder of medicine and wonder of surgery that it's possible to do such a yes. such a radical operation with such good results. I'd agree with that for sure. So thank you, thank you, Chad Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thank you today. for having me, Clive. No, well, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, been a pleasure. And if I can say to the listeners, if you enjoyed listening to my seven wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform, site or provider you found us on. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jack Carroll. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a stack production in association with Alaska TV and powered by the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.